Good evening, everyone. Welcome back to Intentional Guy. We are on air today with Sarah M. Sarah is an author, a motivational speaker, a lot on her genre that she does. And she has a book out called How I Survived the Killing Field. And I am so happy to have you on our show today, Sarah. I was able to look up a little bit on you and, and check it out. Uh, we're me and my wife actually are we're looking last night we're ordering your book uh to read together so i'm excited about getting that but today i don't want to take up all this talk with me time with me talking i brought you on here and i would love if you would share a little bit about your story and about the book with uh my listeners today of course i will be happy to and thank you for having me on today and um, I just want to uh, give you a, a quick bite story about about my life journey before I wrote the book. So I grew up in Cambodia in a small town. Um, my parents are farmers and we live in a beautiful setting surrounded by nature. And I was a firstborn child. As you can imagine, I was you know, I feel love and secure. And right. my my parents believe in higher education. So they always encourage me to stay in school, keep up with school and pursue your higher education. So that's what I was, uh, you know, growing up with. And then when I reached the age of uh, attending college, they they helped me to register for college in the capital city of Phnom Penh. At that time, the the capital city was about almost three hundred miles away from home, so I have to leave home, leave my parents and my family behind. So I went to college. While I was in the capital city, away from everybody, the, com the communist Khmer Rouge took over our country. And at that time, when they came in, they came in in the military style. They brought the, the truck, the tank, and their full military arm force that carry big guns and so on. So they march in the city and uh, the next day they pursue to evacuate people from the city. So they went door to door and pointing the gun at us and demanding that we leave everything behind and we did. Now it was a miserable time of our life and we have to walk away from everything that we own without knowing where to go. And I, I want to go back home so badly, but they cut down the transportation. So I have no way to go home. And also the post office was shut down. So I could not write a letter. I could not make the phone call. So we were totally separate at that time, my family and I. We, we did not know what happened to each other. 
that um, to make a long story short, I end up in the big forced labor camp. In this in this camp, I was pushed to work extremely hard in the very very bad condition. We work about 15, 16 hours a day in the intense heat of the tropical sun, which is on the average about at least 100 degree Fahrenheit. So, you. Um, With, with that condition, we don't have time to rest. They force us to work. They, they want us to work like seven days a week. That's it's the must. We have to work. If we don't work, we don't get anything to eat. Talk about it. They only feed us very little food, just rice, and a very little something to go with the rice. So we, we are hungry all the time and we were sleepy because we didn't have enough time to sleep. So uh, with, with that situation, many of us start to get sick. Within our first couple of months, many of us got to get sick. And our sickness, I got my, my sickness like high fever, malaria, typhoid all at the same time and other other conditions so i got sicker and sicker but it's, i still had to go to work and then finally when i cannot keep up with work anymore they sent me to a place where the sick people stay and when i got to that place i realized that this is this is an infirmary people I'm here waiting for their time to die because nobody is going to get better. There's nothing to help us to get better. So I I don't know what to do. I need to get out from there because otherwise I will get more disease and I will die. But my my mind was still thinking about my family and I want to survive. I did not want to die. There are people who give up. They, they just give up. It's too, too hard. And, but I did not want to give up. So when I saw inside, so what, what can I do at this time? I realized, I remember that since a young age, I believe there is God. So I start to pray, asking God to help me to survive. Wow. I pray every night. I ask God, please help me to survive all i want is just to survive at that time so one morning when i woke up very early in the morning i realized oh i feel a little you know a little better today so i decided to walk away from there while the god did not pay too much attention to the sick people so i I got to walk away and I went back to where the work people are, are staying. So one kind leader saw me come in and she took me in in her group and she said, you stay with me, I'll try to find something that you might be able to do. And she realized I'm too sick. So she talked to the people 
uh, in the kitchen and um, she told me that I can go and help out in the kitchen. So I was so happy that I get an opportunity to work, to help out in the kitchen. And I know I will survive because just the way that the work in the kitchen is not as hard as working in the rice field. Um, I got access to food. I work less hours. I work in the shade instead of the intense heat. So gradually, I start to feel better, and you know, I shut off some of my disease. So eventually, I feel much better. But so I'll I'll stop right here for a minute and. You know, if you have any questions so far. Well, what a what a a great testament of of hope. I mean, just I don't think a lot of our as, as Americans we understand what it means to be uh, to be in that situation, turmoil like you were in. You know, we we take for granted our freedoms that we have here and our basic needs and rights that we that we have here so you know i as i'm listening to this one of the things maybe for some of our listeners who are young can you explain what the killing fields are what that meant yes the killing field is the term that we gave when after all this it's over like four years that we endure after four years the uh, cambodia was completely destroyed the infrastructure was destroyed there's no more people able to work to serve like it used to be and a lot of people get killed they even were taken away to 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 be killed or they die of starvation. And there were so many people die at the same time that they don't have enough time to to bury one at a time. So they dig a big hole and throw people into the big grave and bury and How hard people. that must be to watch, to see, and to experience. I mean, I can't even imagine what that would do to you psychologically especially if you're in a vulnerable state, weak, you know, yeah. from nourishment and, but also just from, from the, the hard work and the tremendous heat and sun that you're doing. I don't think we can, it, it's hard for us to, to resonate what you must have gone through and then to be able to pray and still have, to be able to reach out to God and and still have hope that's that's tremendous to me and i don't mean to take up more I, i'd love to hear more uh about this if you would yes be. yeah i i would like to continue continue a little bit a little bit more please, um please and, do yeah so um they pull me back from the kit pull me from the kitchen and throw me back into the rice field so here we go again i mm-hmm my health start to decline again and but i endure because now that i had a little bit 
extra energy from the recovery from the kitchen. But my mind is still strong about the possibility that one day I might be able to go and find my family. So that's all I want. And with that in mind, I endure for four years. Toward the end of four years, they start to move the camp. So the camp is now brick and mortar and, and surrounded by barbed wire. No, it's very wide open, but we were surrounded by God, like armed God. They are ready to shoot at us anytime if we do something wrong. So that's the, the condition of the camp. So they start to move the camp. Uh, every two weeks, we packed up and moved further pack up and move further. And then I noticed that we are moving into the direction of the jungle. We are moving closer and closer to the jungle. And, and I was so disappointed because we were near the main road. It's, it's a very good position that I can run away. I can, if I have an energy, if I'm not fearful of the gun, but they watch us all the time. And I was now not able to run away. But when I know that they move us to, to the jungle, I know, I realize it's the wrong direction for me. Mm. So I realize this is the time that I will take a risk. I will sacrifice my life. If, if I had to die at this time, it's better, better than just stay and doing nothing and follow them because right. they will take me away from my dream. My dream is to go back home. So with that, God gave me the courage. It's God that gave me the courage to plan and escape. Mm. And I did not do it by myself. God provided. He encouraged me to reach out to three of my close friends and ask them to see if they are willing to go with me. All three of them say yes. So I feel more confident with, with my friends with me. And at that time, I was pretty frail. I, I was very weak again. But my, with my friend, we, are, we went together. So we, we wait until nighttime and we carefully watch out where to, to know where the guards stand and you know, how they, they, they guard, how they, they look and so on. So we just know a little bit about where, how are we going to go about. So finally, when the dark, the dark night come, it's completely dark. We, we just hold hand and walk away from there quietly, didn't make any noise. And we try to track down, track back the path where we came from. This is all guessing. We have no GPS, no cell phone or direction. It's all guessing. But I believe now that I look back, I believe. God directed us them because we didn't get lost in the jungle mm. for wow. for one whole night we walked 
almost run, and we realize that we make it. We make it through. We make it out safely without being caught. If we ever get caught, there's no chance. No chance. We will get sh shot at immediately. But I trust that God has protected us and directed our path. Wow. So eventually, yeah, eventually, eventually, I was able to ask for direction. When I see some people walking and ask for direction to go to my hometown, so. Wow, what a great experience that to be able to once you realize that you're free from your captives. Uh, had you ever seen someone escape that was shot or had lost their life for trying to leave there before that? I did not see, but uh, I just reconnect with one other friend that came from the same same camp, and she said that she ran away. And maybe in the middle of the process, maybe about the second or the third year, she ran away because they forced her to um, to marry somebody, and she didn't want it, so she ran away. But she escaped. She uh, she was free. But I did not see anybody got shot in front of me. But I noticed there are a lot of people who have been disappeared from my eye, from my sight. You know, gradually, uh, we start out with one thousand people in this camp, and at the end, we probably have about less than three hundred people. Oh wow! Well, yeah. I we can't we can't even imagine what that would do to you and to experience that uh how about so now you you've you've escaped you're free you're headed home how how long did that journey take you my our journey probably about 3 weeks or so walk okay. walking we we keep walking you walk the whole the way time. Yes. Yeah. Wow. So when you were able to finally make it home, that had to be emotions everywhere. Overwhelming, grateful, excited, probably lots of tears because your family had to be worried, sick about you. Yes. Yes. But what I realized that the whole country had been liberated four months before I get out. The camp that that kept me captive, they keep us with them for four extra months unnecessarily. But if I did not escape, I would probably stay with them or or die. I, right. I don't know what happened, but found out that the whole country was liberated. And my dad went everywhere with his bicycle. He went everywhere and asked people, have you seen my daughter? Have you seen my daughter? Have you seen my daughter? As a dad, I can't even imagine what he must have went through those four years, wondering and looking for you. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, Sarah, let me know what 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 do you think our listeners can 
lessons we can get from your story, from your book? What, what do you think we can learn from that? I believe the biggest core value for me is that the love for my family. I have love and also I have faith. I trust and I believe that something better is going to happen. I believe I have faith in God. Um, so the love and the faith, that's the number one. And also hope. So when we are going through hard time, we should not give up hope because my situation, it seemed like impossible to survive, to survive the situation, but it is possible. I'm here to prove that, you know, 2 million people did not make it through, but somebody made it through. I did, I did. So we should not give up any any situation that we are struggled with, we, we just keep fighting, keep fighting and keep trusting that Lord is the Lord is Almighty and He is He is able to do whatever we we trust and He will do. So how did you grow your faith? I I, I I'm kind of intrigued with you know you're in this concentration camp, whatever, what you would, detention camp, whatever you would call it. You're working every day. You're, you're basically a slave to them. And it has to feel hopeless for most people. How does your faith grow and, and have trust in the midst of that turmoil? For me, I want, I, um, I imagine a better future for me. I imagine that this situation will end. It had to end. So, so I have a strange belief. This had to end sometime. So right. that just give me hope. It is, you know, something you don't give in. I, I don't give in that they will take control of my life. There is no way that I will be able to get out. No, I did not think that way. And I think something is going to change. And I will have a chance to find my family. So, and I like you, it. yeah, you have, we have to have a positive or optimistic um perspective on our life and i believe faith is a choice we it's a choice for us to take and we have to be willing to be vulnerable to god and in like your situation you had no other choice you had the only freedom and choice that you had was with inside your mind to be able to trust in god everything else was controlled around you and it would be very easy you know, in our world today here, we are easily tortured from, from things like divorce, uh, depression, addiction, things like this. And we feel overwhelmed. But when I look at your story and try to compare it to this, there's no comparisons in that other than 
each of our world, we each have our own journey that we have to take. And what I take from your experience is if you can battle through that, if you can walk that walk and that journey for four years, hungry, scared, never knowing if you're going to live, if you'll have tomorrow to live, but you can still pray to God and say, God, I give this to you. I need you. How tremendous that is for me to hear. Because sometimes I could catastrophize life around me. Nobody has it worse than me, right? My, oh, woe is me. But then I hear your story. And I, my troubles are not really troubles. My, my, what I have is, if you can have that faith, that encourages me that God has, that the, this is small compared to what you have. Me and my wife are going through something right now. We were in a terrible wreck and we're going through litigation right now and things like that. It almost killed us. And there's sometimes in this, we're like so overwhelmed and depressed through this process. But I have hope when I listen to you, what, what we're going through is, is minute to God. He can take He can take care of every little thing in our life. So for our listeners out there that are going through life that are overwhelmed by the struggles that you're facing, truth is our struggles don't even match up to the struggles people have had in other lives, such as you. And what when did this take place? Was this in the 70s that this took place? Yes, 1975 to 79. Wow. Yeah, four years. Wow. Yeah. So now we jump forward to 2022. And what have you been able to do with your experience from there? How have you been able to change that over, turn it around to where you can glorify God even more through what he did? Um. I focus on the goodness of God, on the blessing. I just look look for something good come out from this. Something that beautiful that I cannot forget is this. God was with me. I truly believe that he was with me. He, he guide me. He direct my step now to get lost in the jungle. Now to step on the landmine when I crossed the border to escape from Cambodia. I, I did another escape. Let's get out from Cambodia, cross over, because the, the country was pretty much destroyed. And my, my mom feel like, you know, I need to get out so that we can find something that we can hold on to, uh, to have a better future. So that's what I did. So... Uh, during this journey, I feel like God was with me, you know, now that I look back. So I every time, every occasion that I have an opportunity to share my testimony, I do it because why not? Why don't we do it? Right. Be because I, I truly believe that. And now I'm I'm right. I wrote my book seven years ago to share how 
how my life has been. And I put God in there because he need to be. He need to be in my story. And now I speak and I share on podcasts and I'm not fearful to talk about God because I'm not able to do it for myself on a certain situation. You know, we all have a limit to ourselves. Yes. But we need to tap into God's power, like you said. You know, because, Correct. Yeah, if, if we have God with us, what should we be afraid of? Right. And and it's a journey. I, I think of it, You like you just said a minute ago, you said something that it caught my attention. It wasn't just escaping from the concentration camp. It, you, had to, you had a journey. You, what, you said you were about 300 miles from home. So that's a long journey. And I didn't even think about that. You know, there were landmines or was traps all the way along. Then you see your country that has been destroyed. You know, the psychological part that had to be in you as you took that journey. It, it had to be a test to you to keep, keep fighting going because there had to be so many times in your journey while you're at the, the camp and moving forward that you, you felt like on your own, you didn't have that strength to, to make it. And it's great to watch. It's in the relationships of other, the others that risk their life to go with you, to take that journey with you. I, I think that's important. But then yeah. to have God and realize that God is guiding each step because there was landmines. There was things, there was danger on your journey, just as just as dangerous as what was at the camp, if not maybe in some situations more. And you did not know that it had been over for four months. You had no clue what you were going to face around the next turn in the road. So what a test, what a great testimony. And it gives me a lot of hope too in my life. And I hope for my listeners, since I started doing this, podcast Sarah I have seen so many people who have so much hurt so much pain the enemy likes to paralyze us yeah and keep us from moving forward thinking that we can't do it and the truth is we can't do it we 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 can't do this on our own but with God there's no mountain big enough right. that can keep us from from our journey with him and God that, what such hope. I appreciate and thank you for coming today. Where can we get your book at, Sarah? My book is available on my website. If you go to sarahm.com, just my first name and last name, S-A-R-A-I-M.com slash book, you will find the book right away. Yeah. I will put all that in our description and I would encourage my listeners, go to her website you you have a lot of things it's it's very inspirational actually and so i would like to encourage my listeners go check this out her webpage will be in the link in the description i encourage you to go look at it look at you have other books that i saw on there things that will help motivate us and grow so i'm all about being intentional in my life and i'm sarah before I turned 50, I could tell you how many books I read on one hand. Oh. Now that I'm 56, I can I don't know how many books I've read. How important stories like yours 
are to read because we can draw strength from that. And I can learn from your experience that will help me grow my faith in God because of what your willingness not to only uh, serve God, but be willing to share this vulnerable story with us. Because I'm sure this drudges up things and that there's been some time in this journey that you've had some triggers that have taken you back to some moments there. So I, I thank you uh, for, for being brave again in today's world by sharing all this with us. So thank you so much, Sarah, for coming on our show today. Thank you for having me. And I look forward to, uh, to answer any question that uh, your audience might have. They can go to my website. There's a, you know, they can con connect with me through the website. So, yeah. I'm going to read your book. And Sarah, I, you know, I'm going to encourage some of my listeners to, and maybe we'll have you back after I read that as well to discuss it a little bit further with yeah. you as well. Okay. Yes, I will be happy to. All right. Well, thank you, Sarah, again for being on here. And to my listeners, until next time, just keep being intentional. Thank you for watching.